everybody welcome to another episode of the brutally speaking podcast the official podcast of metalnexus.net where you can get all your show reviews concert reviews and so much more and with me as always is mr daniel terry how are you doing this evening i am alive i think wait you're real right i can be okay all right alive then okay good that's the best i can come up with it dude I feel like I'm in the, the throes of an Eddie Vedder, you know, song about ready to get some more lyrics sent my way. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where that came from. You know, it is past 10, and uh, I know we're all uh, caught in that even flow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is it thoughts arose like, arise like butterflies? I, I can't understand anything Eddie Vedder says. Well, you know, I guess that's just the uh, the singles you know, that we're, we're focused on. Yeah, I guess that's true. How could I forget? Yeah. This podcast has uh, yielded uh, too many uh, Pearl Jam references so far already, and we haven't even told you who our guest is, which is New Year's Day's own Nikki Misery. Um, this was kind of interesting. Um, I was supposed to do this chat in Detroit on the Ice Nine uh, Falling in Reverse tour that they were on, and uh, I opened my phone because my wife made me drive. She's like, well, I bought a hotel so we can stay. And I was like, okay. So we literally are parking the car. I get out of the vehicle to grab our overnight bag and so forth. And I look at my phone and I get an email. It's like, hey, sorry, your your interview has been uh, pushed back. Uh, it's not happening tonight. And I was like, fuck. That was the whole reason we came out here. <laughs> and it was the night uh, Hatebreed was in town on that uh, 25th anniversary tour. So I was like, oh, I could have stayed home and seen Hatebreed and you know, a bunch of awesome other bands, but could have seen straight fire on stage. Yeah. But you know, I ended up getting to uh, hang out with Patrick and the ice nine crowd. And you know, it's funny, even though we've, uh, we made a reference uh, about how Palisades have been touring, which coincidentally they toured uh, on an ice nine kills run that Palisades has been, <laughs> we've seen Palisades quite a bit on a few shows that it's like, we've seen ice nine kills just as many times and as probably short of a span of time. And man, it's just wild to see, see that band. Uh, the way they're performing right now. Um, a friend of the podcast, Alfonso from Heartsick, uh, just did a show with them in Peoria when I was actually in Chicago for the Disrupt Fest uh, a couple of days ago. As of when we're recording this, uh, I noticed that Patrick was in Peoria, and I was like, "Oh, how far away is that? Maybe I can make it to the show." And saw that it was like two and a half hours, and then I was like, "Yeah, but then I'd have like a five and a half hour trip back home, plus I lose an hour when I cross over back into Michigan." So fuck that. Um, but it was funny because I told Alfonso, like, I know you opened up for the band many, many years ago, but, like, there's just something about them right now that's just blowing up. And it's still incredible just to see that and to see other people experiencing it and so forth. And I feel like New Year's Day's kind of having that thing, too. Like, ever since they did that In This Moment run, uh, a couple of ah, – shit, I think it was earlier this year at this point uh, with uh, In This Moment, uh, Hillstorm, and them. It just seems like they've kind of been like on an upward trajectory, uh, you know, getting on really great support tours, you know, with that falling in reverse tour, finishing up the run they just did with Rivals. And uh, I just saw that they're actually getting ready to open up for Godsmack uh, on a couple of arena runs. 
And it's been announced. I saw our date got canceled, but I think someone fucked up and wasn't supposed to announce the date just yet. Uh, but the tour that is floating around within this moment, Motionless and White, Them and Dead, I believe is the tour. Oh, wow. That'll be interesting. No, but uh, New Year's Day is late. You know, just been really, really having their moment. It seems like they're getting on every great tour, every great package tour, uh, just really firing on all cylinders. Um, something that was kind of cool in talking with, with Nikki about, you know, the new record that they just put out is the fact that, you know, that they've been open about writing with other songwriters and just basically being like, you know, this is what we're doing. We're trying to create the best songs we can. And if that's, you know, kind of doing something where we as a rock and metal band are working with more pop producers and so forth, I think it definitely shows, like, you know, on songs like Shut Up, you know, and stuff like that, it, it, it it's heavy, but it has, like, you could almost hear it being on some kind of a weird, like, pop radio, but, like, late at night. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, I, I, I'm really of two minds about the whole songwriters thing, because I just feel like, I don't know, I'm in a band with songwriters. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. It's rough. I, I, totally get, I totally get what he's saying, though. Like, and that, you know, way more people than you think work with songwriters. Oh, yeah. Um, but for some reason, the punk rock kid in me is like, Bleh! you know, why would you get somebody else write your songs? It's like, dude, that's my, that's my best 15 year old voice. I mean, they're no any better. Right. Well, you know, nobody is except for Scott Stapp. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. You got to do the evolution. He's no, uh, Scott Stapp is no, uh, any better. Fair. I think we're up to six so far. I should make like a song noise every time I make a Pearl Jam reference. <laughs> I think we, I think we should just open and end the show with a Pearl Jam song. I mean, hey, say whatever you want, man. Pearl Jam does have some uh, some bangers, though. I a hundred percent agree. Why haven't you done a discography discussion on them? Because I don't want to. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, because you know it's going to be all good, and you just don't want to like subjugate your fans to you know doing you know good quality music for once. Well, I mean, you know, it, when we're positive, everybody stops listening to the show. Oh, okay. And then, you know, when we're negative, everybody's like, yeah! Oh, okay. Trash my favorite band. It's so, a weird, like, BDSM I was going to say, so your fans are into, like, that weird, like, that, like, super kinky porn where, like, girls get their faces shoved in toilets and you got to pee on them and then you're like, yeah, you dirty bitch. And then you're like, yeah, I like it when you degrade us. I'm not even kidding. Like, I've gotten iTunes reviews before that are like, yeah, I love this show. These guys are great. Disagree with every single thing that they say. It's like, wow. All right. Then he joined our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> now you're, oh, what do they call that? Do they call that a financial dom? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Watch me put that in at the end. <laughs> 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 this podcast is about ready to get real kinky real fast. Can It can't be any worse than the last one. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people make a big, big fuss about, you know, people working with songwriters and so forth. I mean, at the end of the day... <sighs> I mean, I remember like when when going completely different genre, but like it equally had as big of a like, oh my god, I can't believe this is you know like when Nas came out when people were bitching about ghostwriters and rap, and then Nas is like, yeah, I used a ghostwriter, and people were like, man, what the fuck? Like you're one of the greatest people of all time. Why would you use a ghostwriter? And it's like one of those things. It's like, you know what? I think Rod Stewart said it best. Like when why he was doing all these like cover records uh, for like old timey like you know twenties like tr- standards and so forth, and he was like. I've spent like 50 years writing my own shit. You know how fucking exhausting that is? You know how nice right. it is just to be able to go in and sing someone something else that's already done for me? Like, it's so much easier. And it's just like, I'm not saying it's easy to have a songwriter with you. But I think, you know, if you 
if the collective three or four people that are your main songwriters, because, I mean, let's be honest, most everybody in a band, like, there might be five people, but probably one or two of them are the main songwriters. I don't think it's as collaborative as everyone thinks it is, especially in the day and age now where people can program the drums, send that to a drummer, and be like, here's kind of what I'm thinking, do your own shit based on this. But, you know, I think if you have more people in, in the process, hopefully more better songwriting is going to happen because the collaboration the collaborative process will be more inspired because you might hear a cool idea and then go oh this i have this idea to go with what you're doing and then all that's happening is you're just one-upping each other to create the best thing that you're able to and i I don't see a problem with that and by all accounts it seems like that process has worked for new year's day like i think this record debuted in the top 100 again so i mean they've had two albums that have charted and I, like I said, I I, just, I don't really see a problem with it as long as the uh, the songs are good and catchy. Which I mean, I think you and I agree, hooks and metal are is always a great thing. Um, uh, wow. <laughs> 15, wow, fifteen year old Dan's back again. Yeah. Uh. 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 Are Are we live? Uh. Okay. Uh. No. Uh. You should write your own songs because I I've never written a song before, but it's got to be way easier than you're saying. It's got to be really easy to, to 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 have a hit single, and then you know, twenty years later, I I proved that by putting out my debut album and making billions of dollars. Yeah, as we all know, this is actually a celebrity podcast. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know what we're celebrating, but I said celebrity podcast, not celebratory. Oh, oh, celebrity. So we're we're making in sync references now. Okay. Oh, I'd... Gotcha. You had to really had to really reach for that one. Nope, not at all. I popped that one. I got it. No strings attached. I got it. <laughs> hey, you know what? This I promise you, I won't make another. I won't make another in sync reference. Last week, Dan quit the show. <laughs> hey, you know what? Before you go, just say bye, bye, bye. That's all I ask. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm more of a. I think I'm more of a Backstreet Boys guy. Well, my wife is anyway. How much of this are you going to keep? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I might drive myself crazy if I don't get to this interview with uh, Nikki from New Year's Day. So let's get into it, and we'll talk to you all afterwards. So I had the pleasure of talking to Nikki Misery of New Year's Day, the guitarist. Uh, they just put out a new record, Unbreakable, which is out now via the Century family. Uh, just want to say congrats uh, on Unbreakable debuting in the top 100 on the Billboard uh, at 61. This marks the second record that you've put out that's cracked the top 100. Uh, what does that consistency mean to you guys? Oh, it's, to be honest, like I don't know if it's more of a consistency what it means. It's just like, it's still so surreal like just to know that like our record you know, like top 100 and top 20. We have like one of the songs now. It's like number 19 or 18. And like, it's like one of those things It's like you see it, you're really stoked. But I don't believe it at the same time, you know? Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to wake up and, and I'm going to be like 16 in my room about to go to school. I'm like, no, this whole thing is a dream. <laughs> it's funny. It reminds me of the, uh, probably feels surreal, like the scene from uh, That Thing You Do, 
where they're you know doing their day jobs and then the song comes on the radio and it's like holy shit oh my god we totally had that moment too on on tour uh it was actually on thanksgiving and we were uh we were coming back from eating and we were on tour someplace in new york and like you know our uber driver was like oh you guys look like you're in the band and we're like yeah actually you know it's like oh any places i could hear you guys i'm like you know they said play us on xm and octane and so every now and then you might hear us and she puts it on and our song was playing it's like one of those moments where on the car, you're like, no way. <laughs> Everyone's Googling you guys real quickly. Oh, my God. It's so rare. <laughs> um, with this record, something I've kind of found interesting, um, I know in a couple of interviews, and typically you're there with Ash, so, I mean, I'll, I'll say both of you have been pretty for, uh, upfront about this, is just working with other songwriters for this record as such, I kind of wanted to know, what did you learn from working with some of these other songwriters that maybe aren't in the, the rock or metal world? And what have you been able to apply f- from what you've learned with working with them uh, on maybe some stuff that you're working on currently? It's, it's really cool because like, I always get these questions like, why do you guys are having songwriters? Why do you guys need help? It's like, well, I don't think most people realize that every band has help from songwriters. You know, it's just one of those, like, I guess it's not, not really talked about things, but it's it's fact, you know, it happens. But it's so cool because, like, you're used to, you're used to, like, us three or us four, you know, like, constantly, like, writing songs. And, and after a while, you just hit this wall, and it's cool to have, like, someone else who's very, like, knowledgeable with music and not just your style, but something that, that could really, like, you know, inspire you to create something new, something that you would have never thought of, like, on your own. And it's cool to have, like, these other songwriters, especially, like, some of them, um, I think one of them did, like, Celine Dion songs. And we're sitting here, you know, in our ripped-up jeans, smelling like death, working with this. But, I mean, like, at the same time, like, they're pulling something out of you that you you would never, like, got on your own. And um, I guess, like, the thing you, you learn, really, is just, like, be open. Everyone's got, like, their different style, their different way of of creating something new and i guess like the best thing is just to have this mindset like you're really doing what's best for the song you know like sonically and and what they're trying to like i don't know like they're trying to help you build your vision in a sense so i guess like like one of the one of the biggest things is just be open and be like ready to learn something new you know like like i said everyone's got their different methods so just be open ready for it and if it's not good you hit them <laughs> What's funny, kind of speaking to that, I, you know, is thinking about how listening to various podcasts and listening to producers and so forth and songwriters, it's something that stuck out to me at one point, uh, and I don't remember who it was, and I wish I could give them credit, but they were talking about how someone was mixing a song, and it was an acoustic song, and so the guy kind of turned it, and it sounded more like acoustic guitars done on a pop song itself, and the producer that was, or the engineer that was doing all that came back and the guy was like, well, why would you mix it like this? It's a really sad, somber song about death and so on and so forth. And he was like, you need to kind of arrange the instruments the way that it's going to fit best for the song. And I kind of thought that was really interesting because it's like, you know, most people would probably just assume it's like, okay, you mic everything up. It just sounds the way it's supposed to sound, but not really thinking about how the production and the songwriting even goes to the vibe of the song itself, like and how it can completely change the the vibe of the song that you're writing absolutely absolutely it's and it's so cool like like to watch this stuff like i don't know be built up from like the ground up you know it's so cool to see like these these songs evolution in a sense did you uh 
you know, you kind of hit on it earlier, and it was actually my follow-up question, which was, do you think more artists should be transparent about working with other people outside of the band themselves? I, absolutely. You know, I think it's, like, like I said before, like, I think it's so cool to have somebody else pull something out of you that you didn't know was there. You know, like, um, when we were, like, every time we, we worked on an album, it's like, uh, how, do, how do I explain it? It's, it's like hitting, like, the peaks of insanity, you know? Like, like you're on the edge and you want to rip out your hair. And I've always said this, too. It's like, if you don't want to rip out your hair and kill all your bandmates, are you really writing an album? And it's so cool to just really get these, like, raw emotions out of you. Because, like, I guess, like, facing that kind of, like, I don't know, that darkness and that void, it's not something that anybody usually just willingly goes to. So it's cool to have someone really push you and get something out of you. I thought it was kind of weird... I don't know if weird is actually the word I want to use. Uh, it was interesting in the fact that, um, you know, a lot of times in a band situation, you know, you being the lead guitar player for the last handful of years, it was, I thought it was interesting that you brought in another lead guitar player for you to focus more on rhythm playing. When typically it's like, once you have a lead player established, unless they quit the band, typically you just find another rhythm guitar player because it, a lead player has a very distinguishable sound. So the fact to me that it's like, I guess technically you have two rhythm player or two lead players now, but in the sense that you were willing to take the back seat to play more rhythmically, what kind of went into that process? Oh, actually I've always been more of a, of a rhythm guy myself. Um, and with Austin now, like he can just, he can shred and I can't play that fast. Like I could do some leads, but for the most part, my uh, my more lead is is throwing the guitar around and, and being the show, but uh, with like with like like sick like I don't know he's a, he's like one of the best guitar players like I've ever gotten a chance to play with and with something like that I would rather have him show off his skills because I could do like some stuff but I'm not super fast like he is I can't shred like him and uh, you know any any time like he's playing a guitar you want those like just little skeletons <laughs> right rocking around you know. So yeah, it was it was more than welcome for him to uh, take that that full on lead spot. So we were supposed to initially do this at the Detroit date on the tour you're currently on, and just you know things fell through. But having gotten to see the tour, and I know I know Ash has kind of made comments to this. I think on the Josta podcast when she was on it, you know this is a really diverse package tour for you guys to be on, with it kind of being more, I would say, active radio uh, rock. You know, with everyone kind of being on like Sirius and Octane. Not saying you guys aren't, but how is it for you kind of being, I don't want to say the oddball, but just kind of the, the different kind of sounding band on this, this package tour and kicking things off every night? Uh, to be honest, I love going into situations like this because I, I really like the idea of, well, especially when we play these shows for these kind of crowds, I uh, like to say it's a whole new fan base. So I like going in there with this mindset, like, like going in. And I'm going to fight for these people's attention because again, we are the first band and we need to kick this off and we want to come in, you know, full swing and, and just be like, Oh shit. Did you guys just see that? You know? So I love, personally, I, I love going into that. Like uh, when we played with, uh, with hell. Yeah. You know, I remember we were all looking like, like an undead motley crew. I remember you would just hear these guys in the back, you know, I call it faggots and stuff. I'm like, Oh, just you wait. And by the second song, you know, they got their, their fists in the air and their head banging. like, we're going to get you. We're going to get you. 
you know, it kind of made me wonder too. You know, like looking at the looking at the tour. I mean, Falling Universe, who has a very uh, theatrical stage set up um, to from Ashes to New, which is very you know, uh, with only having three members on stage with one playing an instrument, you know, you have risers and you know, a lot of, a lot of other stuff to falling in reverse who kind of went more way stripped down than what I've seen in more recent years. What do you kind of take away from being on a tour with such diversity in a stage setting? Um, I don't know the same as, as I would, you know, like we all have our, our show. We're all just up there doing our thing. And like with new year's day, we've never really had, like production or or much of anything behind us except just our own explosive energy so kind of i always i always try to make it seem like i hate to say it like this but i always think it i always want to act like our set is the headlining you know and then everything else is just like the after party and uh so i guess like like you know especially with us being first on this one i just wanted to make sure that we got remembered but i guess that's my main thing you know, whether you love us or hate us, you sure as hell ain't gonna forget us. <laughs> I think I think that was actually something Nikki Six said when they were Motley Crue was coming up. Really? Oh, dang! I think so. I think I remember that in his book yeah. or something. <laughs> and it's like it's like that old saying, you know, like like great great Nikki think alike. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, kind of been shifting gears, uh, and I'm gonna kind of get a little serious with this one. Um, you're in a unique position, being in a band with a woman in it. And I myself have been married now uh, going on three years, but I've been with my wife for almost 10. And she has been in a – as a manager at the job that she's in, uh, I hear a lot of stories every night of, you know, I was one of – I was the only woman in a meeting with managers with like seven or eight other men. And, you know, I'll I'll try to give my opinion on something or have my voice be heard. And I constantly, you know, get shut down and stuff like that. And – I know that these things exist, but I guess I've just never have heard so many firsthand accounts of it with someone that, you know, I, I am partnered with. And it kind of makes me wonder adversely if, you know, the position you're in with being with a female fronted band, with having Ash in your band as a whole, you know, there was some, some things that she had brought to light many years ago that no one really seemingly was listening to and now has come back to light that, hey, guess what? She was actually fucking warning a lot of people about something that was going on. And now people are, are kind of like, it, you know, willing to listen to her. And I feel like that's kind of got to be an omnipresent thing for you. And it kind of made me wonder, has being in a band with her kind of opened your eyes to a lot more of this that maybe you weren't aware of beforehand? Absolutely. I remember um, they had a brief period when we were with Century Media and then we were off Century Media. And I remember when we were, we were talking to this other, um, this other record label. And uh, they're, they, they obviously turned us down because they said they already had a female singer. Not having to do with any of like our style music, had nothing to do with that. And at the same time, you're like, well, don't you have a male-fronted band too? Like, is that it? Just one? Like, that's our genre. It's just female-fronted. And you start seeing like just the ridiculousness of this shit. And the way, especially in this kind of like, this kind of like dude's world of a thing, you know, like, I remember bands would just come just think that they could just hit on her and sleep with her and stuff like that. And like, we're, I don't know, we're like her little gang, like her family and like, we'll, we'll fuck shit up if we got it. But, um, and like, it's almost in a sense, like, like you gotta like punch your way through and be like, this isn't 1982 anymore, guys. Like, 
And especially with Ash, who's like, oh, now? No, I can hear you just fine now. Okay, cool, cool. Right on. I'm just making sure. Um, but yeah, and especially with, with Ash, is such a strong, powerful personality. Like, I couldn't be more proud to be behind her. And especially with what you were mentioning before with the stuff coming to light now, uh, just to touch up on that, I remember get, us getting such a backlash for that, too. And, like, the only thing we were doing is just trying to stop this dude from fucking kids. Like, straight up. And, you know, and then now all this stuff's, like, like coming up. And it was crazy because, like, we had kids were sending us, like, their recorded voicemail messages with this guy. This guy is, like, what, 30-something years old, almost 40? And, like, some of these girls were 16. That's, like, I saw this shit happening. It's, oh, my God. Like, it's still, like, I still get, like, fucking rage-filled when I think of it that situation and that dude and i can't wait to see or i can't wait to see justice be brought to that guy yeah i didn't necessarily want to bring light to to that person specifically but just like i said my wife going through what she has gone through it's kind of been eye-opening that it's like you know i feel like we're in a rather progressive time and just in light of especially seemingly uh in the last two weeks with like this abortion stuff it's just been like, holy fuck, like, what year are we in? Like, are, we, are you know, it's just, it's shocking. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you're in a unique position, like I said, to kind of speak to something firsthand, having been in the band with her as long as you have, and just kind of getting to travel the world and seeing firsthand, you know, the experiences that maybe she has had, or indirectly, I guess, you as well, you know, by being just associated with being in a band with her, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you do see it, but Ash is such a fighter, you know, like, she shuts that shit down if it ever comes across. <laughs> I mean, you do see it. And, and it's exactly like that. Like how you were saying, it's like, what year are we in? You know? Like, didn't, shouldn't this shit happen like 100 years ago, 50 years ago? Like, are we still, like, I don't know, that unevolved? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> kind of uh, changing it back to something a little more uh, positive. Um, something I think is kind of interesting, and, and we've been really hitting on the last like couple of months on this podcast, is kind of EPs versus full lengths. What, you know, navigating the the culture we're in now, where everyone wants everything now and then they forget about it. And so I think it was kind of interesting. You know, you guys have seemingly done the EP in between a record, and most recently kind of did the covers record uh, before this last record. What uh, what kind of goes into your thought process of, of putting out constant content and what made you decide to do a covers record, especially uh, as opposed to doing, you know, something different uh, from what you had been doing? Uh, well, pretty much like in, in the past history of since I've been in the band, when we came, when we were come back from tour, like our producer and manager at the time only would give us like, okay, you got three weeks to write this, this album. Like, oh shit, okay. And so, like, Victims of Villain and, like, some, like, Malevolent, it, it almost, like, our process was almost rushed. You know, it's like we didn't have enough time to really, like, care for the songs and stuff like that. And uh, coming with, with, like, the Epidemic EP, like, I think that was just, like, our step stepping stone from Victims of Villain to, like, a harder kind of uh, thing we did with Malevolent. And then coming with the, uh, with the covers album, we really wanted to put something out there and something that was still fun to do, but still give us more time to really focus on the Unbreakable album. I mean, what? Because it took us, what, four years and, you know, constant touring and stuff like that. But we really wanted to make sure, like, we took our time with this record and we wanted to, like, make sure that we were in love with every part of the song. So really, it was like 
in a sense to do something fun, put some kind of like, I don't want to say like new music because it's all covers, but to put something out and uh, just pretty much while we were taking our time, putting the record out or finishing up the record, I should say. As such, the, does doing something like that kind of always keep you constantly in the writing process? Absolutely. And especially since like we don't, we don't do like the karaoke version of a song, you know, where it's not going <laughs> to sound exactly, you know, like, like the original people did it. So it, it helps out because then like, you know, we're, we're trying to change something up and like really make it our own. So we're constantly like obsessing over our style at the same time too, you know, and like how we want to voice this song. And I'm just going to say it's now my favorite, my, my favorite one we, we did is it's gotta be that fucking hostile. That's that song still gets me every time I hear it. It's interesting for sure. I, I know a lot of true Pantera fans were sort of on the fence about it. And I get it. I mean, like, I think one of the ones that uh, got me for a while was Disharmonia Mundi doing, uh, oh, shit. What was it? Uh, I don't remember now. Um, but it was one, like, I heard it and I was like, uh, it just sounds like more low tuned, kind of like, a, you know, if Soil Work, you know, would have done it, which is fitting because it, it does have uh, Bjorn from Soil Work on vocals. But it's one of those things where it's like, I think, you know, with some bands, people are so staunchly against anybody doing anything against it. Like, even Phil has been catching flack for doing the, the Pantera songs with uh, his solo band. And people are like, it's just not the same without the four people. And it's like, it's interesting to see what bands are basically deemed untouchable by their fans. Like, no one can ever touch these songs. No one can ever recreate these. But then seemingly, you know, a band like yourself come along and people are like, okay, it's not the original, and I like the fact that it's not basically just redoing it with this band covering it, but it's it's basically a redone version of that song. You know, people are at least coming around to the idea of, like, this is okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And oddly enough, too, it was funny because we actually did an acoustic version of that, Hostile. Yeah. And then a lot of people were just losing their shit over it. But I mean, at the same time, too, like this is rock and roll. Like rock and roll is supposed to break the rules. You know, like we're not supposed to. I don't know. And I, I always thought it was just, I don't know. It was funny. And I understand it, too, because like, you know, some of these, these bands and these songs, like, you know, they hold a personal spot, like, I don't know, in your heart. And I hate to say it like that, but it's something I that's true. So to see other people touch it, like, I understand them, but I can't help it. I'll always be a rebel. <laughs> I'm always going to have to break some rules. And even more so, if you're not supposed to do it, now I really want to do it. And especially, too, then Vinnie Paul, Vinnie Paul actually heard him and, like, loved it and gave us the thumbs up. So that was, that was like, the only kind of uh, approval I needed. Absolutely. Uh, kind of in wrapping up, you guys are finishing up this Falling in Reverse tour and then basically more or less jumping right into your own headline run uh, starting on June 6th uh, in Bakersfield. Uh, you'll be here in Grand Rapids on July 10th and then uh, ending the tour shortly thereafter in Colorado Springs on July 19th. But uh, what can fans expect on this uh, upcoming run and where can people find you and the band online as well? Uh, on the upcoming run, just expect an explosive, kick-ass rock show. We got Savage After Midnight, Diamante, who's been like one of our, our best friends forever. Like, it's going to be a kick-ass show. I mean, especially with, with New Year's Day right now, we couldn't be on a higher high, I guess. Like, so we're in our prime right now. Come check this shit out. It's going to be a kick-ass rock show. And uh, where can everyone find you or the band online? Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I mean, you can search anywhere, like on social networks. It's under NYD Rock. Um, Always search up like anything Google New Year's Day band. You can check us out on Instagram. Everything's NYD Rock or at Nikki Misery or at Ash Costello. 
but check us out. Join the ride. Buckle your seatbelts because we're just barely getting started. <laughs> well, looking forward to catching you guys when you're here in GR and uh, hopefully uh, maybe catch up and grab a beer or something. Hey, saying all the right things, brother. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again for taking the time and looking forward to uh, seeing you and enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, you too, buddy. Thank you so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. So that was my chat with Nikki Misery of New Year's Day. Uh, kind of love the uh, <laughs> kind of love the Nikki Nikki Six Nikki Misery uh, reference that he made there at the end. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, I, and I think it was cool that he answered. It, it was cool hearing his answers to the questions that were specifically more about like women in in music. Um, even though you know he 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 may have had a different perspective but didn't like he he was totally all about it and i thought that was kind of cool it's been tearing up my heart uh you know talking with bridget recently about you know just the the trials and tribulations she's been going through at her job and you know i know we live in a world uh where women you know obviously get the shit into the stick a lot of times you know like with the world women's world cup uh finals and so forth and everyone talking about how the ratings for that were way bigger than you know the men's soccer and so forth and how they deserve equal pay and all this kind of stuff and you know it's just been one of those things like you know hearing my wife come home or make you know i think maybe you see them because i think you guys are friends on facebook too where she'll just be like oh you know the only woman in a like room full of 15 men for a meeting or whatever or my opinion doesn't matter because i don't have a dick or things like that right, and yeah. it's like it's just it's frustrating because it's like it's not the experience i have uh but obviously being with her for as long as i have i i see it time and time again and a lot of her friends in the industry are all women and they all echo those same sentiments so it's just one of those things that's kind of disheartening to see and you know when i was kind of in light of the allegations against some of these people that have come back uh to the the public eye it's one of those things where to finally see ash kind of you know not get the comeuppance but just basically get you know, to be proven that she wasn't talking shit, talking out of turn, that, you know, the things she was saying was true, just no one wanted to believe her. And it's like, how fucked up is that? That's, you know, a woman was looking out for other women, young women, and people were like, oh, well, you're just, you don't know. And it's like, man, what the fuck? Yeah, I think you were onto something, too. You're like, it's just, it's weird that it's the year that it is. Yeah. And that we're still having, we're still having these kind of pro- kinds of problems. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, that's like coincidentally. Um, have you heard that Lizzo song? I don't know what the song's actually called. I should probably look it up, but I won't. But uh, it's the song that's all over the radio right now. Nope. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I got nothing. Okay. Well, there's a line in it that kind of is has been making me like be like it's been stuck in my head. But the chorus goes, uh, "Why men great until or why are men great until they gotta be great." And I keep thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of, you know, I get it. But then I'm also like, if a dude were to come out with a line that was something to that same effect about women, I feel like there'd be such an uproar. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so, yeah, it's, uh, what a great time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's going to be me. Yeah. No, this this was a, a chat that I feel like, you know, obviously – as I kind of told Dan, I was like, you know, these, these questions were kind of initially the interview was supposed to be with Ash. So like some of the questions, uh, if they seemed a bit more, uh, in line for her, like they, like they were for somebody else. Yeah, that is definitely the case, but I think they still apply to the band. I mean, the songwriting aspect of things still applies to the band. Nikki's a part of the songwriting process. So like he can still answer those questions dealing with what, you know, Ash goes through being, you know, a woman in this industry and so forth, obviously still applies to him and how he sees it. And if it's changed how he f- 
feels about you know that perspective of things because uh, I I do really think until you kind of see it firsthand you you don't really you don't really know how prevalent it is. Um, so I guess the only way you can make the change is kind of to to see it and kind of start making the change from within. Um, but I will say, uh, since this interview, uh, we went and saw New Year's Day when they were here in town when our friends and rivals were opening for them. And it was the last day of Rivals part of the tour, so like tour pranks aplenty were going on. So I, I do kind of have to say, I think New Year's Day's prank went over a lot of people's heads. Um, first of all, they kept asking uh, when their drum solo thing was and what was the like password to like the uh, the tracks on the laptop. And it's like no one asked that question unless you're going to do something. Right. Uh, so, no doubt. So what they ended up doing was they played uh, the Dr. Dre's uh, Still DRE while <laughs> Rivals was doing their drum solo thing. And then they all came out and then used the fog machine to like fog out the stage. But because Rivals had their inners in, they didn't hear the other track going over like everybody else could. So they're just playing their normal thing. And then here comes New Year's Day wearing Lay's and smoking out their stage and even my wife was like i don't get this and i was like the lays are supposed to look like marijuana they're smoking out the stage they're playing right you know dr right. dre and they're like oh that went over my head and i was like eh, i think it did a lot of people but that was their tour prank then rivals during uh new year's day set took the tr- uh, wheels off of their trailer and then put them in the middle of the floor and then bounced on them <laughs> while they were playing right <laughs> And it was funny because Ash at one point goes, are those our fucking trailer tires? Right. So I think Rivals won that one. Yeah, no doubt. No, I got to stop saying no doubt. It's like my thing for tonight. It's like we recorded these all at one time. I know, right? I I just gave that up. Wow. No, you gave that up the last episode we did. It happens. Yeah. I was probably like, it's still hot outside. (laughs) It's winter. (laughs) But yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, New Year's Day, like we said, kind of, I think in the intro, um, they are tentatively going to go on the road uh, with Godsmack right now, I believe, and then are doing a fall run with In This Moment, uh, Motionless and White and Dead. I do know it's coming to our town, uh, even though the show was canceled, quote unquote. But like I said, I think the person in charge at the venue uh, shared the event page before they were supposed to. And uh, I think that's why I got taken down. So I know the date that it is, and I know when it's <laughs> coming here. Um, but beyond that, I, I think the tour announcement is probably going to happen in the next couple of days or so as a point of recording. Uh, but if you would like to keep up with New Year's Day, you can find them simply enough at NYD Rock on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with everything, go to the Central Hub at NYDRock.com. If you would like to keep up with Nikki Misery, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Nikki Misery. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them on MetalNexus.net, Facebook at MetalNexus, Instagram. Instagram at metal.nexus and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found on the dark webs. <laughs> I can be found on your local tour browser at, uh, well, and, and on, on the surface web. Let's start there. Uh, we can go to Twitter and find me under Discuss Metal Dan. You can go to Facebook, find me under Daniel Terry. You can even send me an email at discussmetaldan at gmail.com. And you can also find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at discussmetal.com. 
And if you would like to keep on with the digital get down, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BrewSpeakPod. You can find us over on YouTube, see some of the interviews we've done in person. Uh, the videos are posted over there. We have a Patreon. If you would like to become a patron, you can go over to the Brew... Go to patreon.com slash brewspeakpod. Uh, there are various tiers over there. Uh, cool swag as well in those perks. Uh, but a dollar unlocks all the episodes and the bonus content. And if you would like to support our, our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can go over to thebeanbastard.com, get you some coffee, and follow them on Facebook and Instagram over at The Bean Bastard. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.